We might need a gong. I think I have one in my dream. What should we do? You must answer it. These are my quarters. Anyone who comes here will expect me to answer the door. I know how a door works. If they go away, that may give us enough time to fix the situation. Logic suggests the easiest way to get them to go away is for you to answer while pretending to be me. Spock, I do not like hijinks. In that, we are in agreement. But it appears that hijinks are the most logical course of action. Strange new takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me taking some well deserved shore leave are Adam Bowen, Emily Bowen Marlar, Rudy Kisbaker, and Bill Woywad. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we're covering the fifth episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds, Amok Spock. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Oh boy. Spock Amok. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And do tell your friends about our podcast. We're we're really proud of it. We've um, at the risk of saying um, we've taken a long time to get here. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long, long road. road. <laughs> wow, you were perfectly we're synced gonna... <laughs> uh, on my end here, at least. Quite pitch wise, but we were. <laughs> <laughs> risk not mitigated but we move on um yeah we've um, we've really been waiting for this um show to start as you can see from our podcast name and and uh, boy have we been rewarded um so uh maybe you can reward us and give us a five-star rating on apple podcast or any podcast rating system you use uh and this is the part where i let you know that uh yeah we're about to spoil a whole lot of things, uh, not least of which is this episode of Star Trek. So uh, I'd recommend that you go give it a listen before or watch uh, before you listen to us. All it's, right. That's something, though, right? Maybe like just listening to a, a Star Trek episode, like sometimes like listening to sports commentary as opposed to watching the game live. I, there's like a whole different feel to it. I, I feel like you've claimed to do this in, on some previous episodes. You said something like you were mowing the lawn or something like that while... Uh, while you were watching one of the episodes or something, I, I, this might have not been like one of the new series you might have been rewatching, like a Voyager episode at the time. I, I know people who do this on like long drives. People, I, I have have I have friends who like play episodes of The West Wing or whatever. Just if it's not a show that has like huge visuals, it can it can it's not so bad. I've done it actually while working sometimes, just because I need something mm. in my ears. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, not not something I would do with Star Trek, just because like I feel like sometimes the like visual is uh, important to the story. But um, as Bill told us earlier, we're going to talk about the episode Spockamock. It's the fifth episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds. It first aired on second June, twenty twenty two. It was written by Henry Alonso Myers and Robin Wasserman. It was directed by Rachel Leiterman. And the in-universe date does not matter because I teased this last week. I said the same thing last week. And then I said, I'll come back to it later. As we'll talk about later, the star dates don't matter. And I never went into why. So <laughs> I'm going to do that right now before we go any further, dear listener, which is the strange new world star dates, if you actually convert them using a star date converter, 
puts you in between the original series. Um, and I don't, I actually, I don't even think it's in a converter. If you just look at the numbering, it like puts you, puts the show within the original series. So the star dates don't matter in the show. Don't bother. I'm trying to make sense of them. And uh, let me tease something else that I won't talk about later in the episode, probably, which is that uh, I think we should stop trying to reconcile the original series with Strange New Worlds on a surface level, like with the uniforms and stuff. But maybe I'll touch on that later. All right. The in-universe date is 2259, according to Memory Alpha. Uh, Here's the episode summary. It's a comedy of manners. (laughs) It's a comedy of manners. I like that. Uh, That's a theater term, I think. It's a comedy of manners when Spock has a personal visit in the middle of Spock. And it's strangely written. (laughs) (laughs) I had the same thought when I read it. (laughs) This this isn't someone forgot to. Someone forgot to the summary. (laughs) Um, Okay, let me let me try to make sense of this on the fly. It's a comedy of manners when Spock has a personal visit in the middle of Ten's negotiations. And Una and Laan go off and do some hijinks while trying (laughs) not to. And Nurse Chapel has an awkward conversation. How about that? (laughs) You you need to add like at least four or five more sentences into there for it to be worthy of the previous uh, Memory Alpha uh, summaries we've had. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was a little that was this this show has generally been kind of weird with the memory alpha summaries and that my take on it is even worse. So maybe I need to put some respect on the people who write the ones that I've been complaining about. Because <laughs> at least they can do it properly. Alright, we always start our episodes with our strange new takes. Who's got a strange new take for me, crew? I can jump in. Uh so <clears throat> You know, we talk about canon on Star Trek a lot, and it's a kind of a contentious issue sometimes with the fan base. Um, I recently watched the third episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, this from a franchise called Star Wars. You guys might be familiar with it. it sounds uh, familiar. Say more. I don't know yeah, what you're talking about. It's <laughs> and I so apparently I, I just have seen on the internet that the fan base is like really like kind of outraged about this episode. Um, and I really like I've seen every Star Wars movie and TV show, most of them multiple times. I really cannot for the I, I can't figure it out. Like, I don't I thought it was a pretty good episode. I don't know what the like kind of huge betrayal was. Like, I really don't know. I really can't figure it out. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just like a interesting reference point. You know, if we get like ticked off with some kind of canon thing in Star Trek, you know, it might be like really inside baseball. Um, So anyway, so for this, I mean, what can I say, man? Strange New Worlds is just like blowing me away like week after week. And this, you know, uh, uh, kind of lighthearted comedy episode like this was so welcome, so well executed. And I think probably the best, like, you know, comedy episode in Star Trek since like, you know, the one where, Q sends um, them all back to, like, Robin Hood, like, Nottingham Forest. Um, what? No Tinker Tailor's Doctor Spy? Oh, that, that one is good, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, love it. Is he command hologram? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the part where I give my take. Um, so... Uh, 
uh recently uh, i can't remember if i've talked about on the on the episode or on our episodes before but uh one of my chickens has a heart murmur uh she uh just generally wasn't doing too well uh over the past few months but uh since we started her on enalapril uh which uh let me tell you it's very difficult to give a pill to a chicken uh <laughs> every day uh she seems to be doing a, a lot better so uh yeah which uh, chicken uh dragonette so uh but she she's she's much happier her tails has good posture she's eating a little bit more uh running around uh with all the other girls so uh i think things are are going well so uh if you have a chicken that has dropped some weight is uh uh has a has a tail that's facing down a, a whole lot and is lethargic maybe check him out for a heart murmur uh for the episode uh you know what i i just i i didn't know uh that i needed a an episode of star trek that was uh just freaky friday uh <laughs> and apparently i did and so now i just i want to know what other like untapped storylines do we need to bring into star trek like uh the parent trap starring binars or uh <laughs> yeah I, I i don't i don't know what else we, we could we could get in here but we've there's a whole bunch i really want a buddy cop show <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't sure what my strange new take is, but I'm recording from my son's bedroom. And so I have the little Hogwarts crest back here behind me, <laughs> which reminded me that he start not starred. He had his first show on Friday. It was very exciting. He went to theater camp and the theme was Harry Potter. And um, so he has all sorts of little spells and dance moves that he does. <laughs> And it's the cutest thing ever. And I super enjoyed it. And I was totally that parent that cried because it was my kids first. I think it was mostly because I was smiling so big it made tears come out of my eyes. But it was so, so, so cute. Especially because before I dropped him off, he was threatening to not do it because it would be embarrassing. I think he realized that he was going to be on stage. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I didn't ruin it by preparing him but no he was good he was good it was fun good times my strange new take for this episode is that um handsome mount just has me all keyed up so i don't know it's just you know good times watching watching uh chris pike on i know he wasn't like the main star of the episode but i just love him <laughs> like i just think he's a great really <laughs> enjoyable captain i also like the command style i like how mm -hmm. laid back it is um yeah anyway so i'm really enjoying that because it's totally different from any of the we haven't seen any of the other captains be quite this um congenial maybe is the word for it with the with the whole and he feels that way with the whole crew you know yeah Whereas, it's, it's consistent it's not just sort of set for only his uh, senior staff or things, right. like, things like that which is actually i think what i enjoy most about it is that he, it, he's not like he doesn't feel like he has a club of people that are the ones he wants to be with and then everyone else is just kind of a girl in a skirt or something i'll just add so I've, I've got two takes of my own but i need to add to this by saying jess bush has me enamored a little bit did y'all know that she was australian first of all yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, i didn't realize that till i was watching an interview and i was like ah oh. I got to avoid all of her videos now because I, I, I have this problem when I see an actor using a different accent in their real life than on Star Trek. I can't stop thinking about it. So I need to like avoid her real life. <laughs> but she's also kind of a successful artist, actually, if you'll um, uh, if, you, if you'll read about her. She, she's she got like some murals 
commission and stuff. She's a really talented person. Uh, anyway, my strange new take is that I have given up on watching the many series from the Star Wars universe. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'll watch <laughs> The Mandalorian because it's it's like I started it, but like I don't care about the Book of Boba Fett. I don't care about Obi-Wan. I don't care about whatever that other Rebels one that's going to be out soon or whatever. I don't have that kind of time in my life. And I hope Star Trek sticks with this like one series at a time. If we get like 1,500 of them, I won't have time for it anymore. So I guess this is me just kind of confessing to all of you that I can't keep up with everything that is creatively being made by everyone in this world. It's just not possible anymore. Between Marvel and Star Trek and Star Wars and all of these things, it's just an awful lot. Could yeah, you I... be the first person on the planet who has had a overdose of Baby Yoda? I, I, you know, I, I'm Is fine. Is Baby Yoda I... also in the other? I, 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 I saw, I saw like a maybe three quarters of an episode, or maybe I watched part of the second episode of Book of Boba Fett, and it just sucked so much. I. Yeah, didn't want to keep watching. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So I don't feel bad at all. Anyway, no. uh, my strange new take on this episode, I'll, I'll go off of what I was saying from the, the start date thing, which is that I went back and I, look, I was looking at Memory Alpha uh, for the green captain's tunic. I wanted to look back. And, I, mm. and it has on a single page, it has all of the uniforms from both TOS and Strange New Worlds. And that doesn't make any freaking sense. I know you're trying to like be like, oh, in the year whatever, this uniform comes in. And in the year whatever, that uniform goes out. Don't do it. Like, it makes no sense to have the same uniforms from these two different series be treated like the same thing. Like, the EV suits in TOS are hilarious. The, like, dress uniforms in Star Trek are even more, or TOS are even more hilarious. We cannot reconcile Strange New Worlds' uniforms with TOS, and we need to treat them as separate things. That's just the, that's just the way it needs to be with these surface-level things. We cannot, we cannot try to stay canonically, like, 100% accurate. Otherwise, things are going to go off the rails, and uh, I, I'm going to go crazy. So just just try browsing that page for the uniforms that people wore between the the Strange New Worlds and TOS era, and you'll see what I mean. It just doesn't it make any alpha? sense. Hundred percent. It, it 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 was it was interesting because at, at least for me in this episode, it uh, I had I had always seen some of those uniforms because like Kirk's shirt changes very slightly several times throughout the series. And it always seems like a, oh, shit, he, we don't have anything for him to wear. He wore he ripped the last one. And so they just like get like, well, this one's green. Like, oh, whatever. We can put it on him still. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I read somewhere that the original uniform design was green, but because of the studio lights, it looked <laughs> yellow on the on the TV. Oh, but I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Anyway, sorry, Rudy, I, I uh, interrupted you. No, I was just going to say that it looks like we're setting ourselves up for a massive administrative overhaul in universe um, post strange new worlds going into TOS. If they plan to make sense of star dates and uniforms, like there'll be like a chief of Starfleet who'll be like, you know, having an administrative background as opposed to a military or diplomatic background. He'll rewrite everything and be like, these uniforms suck. The star date system sucks. We're going with a different approach. I don't know. But um, keeping with the theme of um, um, shows, uh, I'll very quickly say I like what Star Wars is doing. Um, I think Boba Fett ended miserably, uh, but I think it, it started off nicely. Um, but here's another show that I've recently started watching, and if some if if um, you know listeners out there ha- like the 
um, intrigue of the Alien series, but also like the, well, Alien series in terms of Vance Murphy and all of that, and then intrigue of, of Battlestar Galactica in terms of, you know, divine um, uh, presence or divine intelligence or intelligent design. Then a show called Raised by Wolves um, is a weird merge of the, the two, and I think they kind of get it right. Um, um, guess who um, who's, I think, producing and directing it? It's obviously Ridley Scott, but that's something to keep in mind. That's got a couple of seasons, um, so that's nice. And with respect to um, Strange New Worlds in this episode, so you all know I had uh, a personal bias for... Indians in Star Trek, um, especially in the new series. Well, if you couldn't get anybody um, on the human side, I guess I'm okay with um, a Vulcan being Indian. So Tupring is apparently of Indian origin. She's from Canada. Her name is Gia Santhu. Um, she actually, Yeah, she actually <laughs> lived in India for a very small amount of time, like a couple of years Um when she was, uh, she's originally like she was, she was born and raised in Canada, went to India for a bit, and then moved back to Canada. So uh, yeah, she's. Uh, I really liked her acting as well. I think it was a good balance between, um, uh, you know, logic and dry humor. So and then obviously portraying Spock. So um, here's to hoping that uh, she doesn't uh, disappear like Kudorlodite uh, Sahil. You're hoping that she doesn't come back as, like, Jane Smith. <laughs> the Vulcan. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> I, Rudy, I just have to say, I, you know, plus one to Raised by Wolves. Excellent. The second season is even better. But HBO just canceled it. Ah. So I'm not too happy with HBO right now. <clears throat> oh, no. Spoiler right. for me. <laughs> yeah, right. Um... <laughs> Well, let's let's jump into our in-depth episode discussion on Spock and Locke. And uh, we had let's let's start with the dream, which which is where it becomes incredibly evident very quickly that this is probably not going to be the most serious episode. When Spock fights, you know, he breaks apart into his Vulcan and human selves, a la Bolana Torres in the Voyager episode faces, <laughs> and then he he has to fight in a in a pretty you know, really well modernized version of the wedding ceremony from a mock time in the original series. His fight in that ceremony against himself. And then the old TOS music plays. <laughs> yeah. And they, they even had like the weird, like shaky uh, yeah. uh, things that they had back then too. So yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I've, I've liked the attention to detail, even though uh, we've, we've talked a bit about how it's, maybe it's dumb to like, make modernize every single one of the uniforms and then try to like cross-reference them but like i i I think it's uh i've I've been enjoying how they uh they update and uh sort of tweak things a little bit to um fit more with our uh 2022 eyeballs is it even watchable though without the like aluminum foil head helmets for the (laughs) vulcan guards oh yeah (laughs) that's how they updated it for modern audiences, just to eat the aluminum foil helmets. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was super well done. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And it was just, and the fight was kind of absurd, but fun. It definitely made me want to go immediately find 
amok time and watch that scene, you know, just to kind of compare them. But the music is so iconic. It was clear immediately. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. The fight to the death music. (laughs) (laughs) I was so happy. (laughs) It's good stuff. Which of you has watched Amok Time recently? It's it's been a few years. years. Yeah, same here. Okay, I so I watched it half an hour before we started recording, and so I just I mean I zipped through it. I skipped all the like sections at the beginning of the episode where Spock is slowly going crazy, and like uh, I only watched the parts where they're on Vulcan. But it's it's hilarious. Like it's it's just I don't know if that episode was supposed to be taken seriously back in the day, but I just couldn't. I was just laughing my way through it, and it's just. I don't know. It's so campy and kish. Uh, (laughs) It's hilarious. I highly recommend anybody who hasn't watched it, but has watched the Strange New World episode to go back and revisit it. Because the music callback is kind of cool. You also see where the rattles that Adam referenced are coming from. You see where that, like, hammered gong that Spock has to hit comes from. It's just... I I enjoyed it, I think, having watched this Spock Amok. I enjoyed a mock time more than if I had gone back and watched it on its own. If that makes sense. Did anyone watch a uh, time amok uh, after watching this episode? Is that is that one also useful to? Were there useful callbacks here? Time amok. <laughs> what is not. that? Where is time amok? <laughs> that was from? Uh, that's, uh, prodigy. Yeah, prodigy. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh yeah. But it had I, nothing to do with no, with Ponfar or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like Vulcan time. relationships. <laughs> Ponfar is not very age appropriate. No, no. That's why we were trying to, we almost, we were about to watch this episode with Dietrich and then we're like, wait, um, what if there's Ponfar in it? Maybe that wouldn't be appropriate for a four-year-old, even though he's watching all the nature shows. Mommy, what are those animals doing? Um, they are making little animals. <laughs> but yeah, we decided not to. And then at the end of the episode last night, we're like, oh, we totally could have watched this with him. He would have liked it. So... But if there's a fight, he doesn't like fights. That's true. He doesn't like fights, but it wasn't like we could have fast forwarded through that one little fight. (laughs) Well, um, I so so I guess the, the, the point I was trying to prompt people into, which I will now gently nudge even further, is that this show is, I think, making the original series more acceptable to a modern audience by giving us a different lens through which to view it than just it's old and campy and we just got to accept it. Uh, folks like me get to go back and be like, oh, that's where, oh, that's cool. That's like a link. And like, you know, it's, I, I know, Bill, you really love the original series unironically. And, <laughs> and so I, I just wanted to kind of see if y'all, y'all have this view at all. Well, I thought like last week, was yeah last week I was like oh that'd be I should go back and watch Arena you know like there are I kind of find myself wanting to go back and watch episodes that they're kind of having some callbacks to just you know kind of remind mm-hmm. or or to introduce Travis to those episodes because he hasn't watched hardly any original series so that would be a way for him to watch some <clears throat> yeah yeah I, I I agree Notch like I see the point you're making and I think it's interesting to contrast with um, Lower Decks. Which you know, I think they're both kind of a love letter to to TOS and TNG, respectively. But Lower Decks is like poking fun at it in like a really loving way, right? But it but it you know is constantly making jokes about campy Star Trek stuff, and I don't think Strange New Worlds really does that. The self referential like 
jokey callbacks. The callbacks are all, you know, done with a straight face, but like mm. slightly updated. And they, like they just get the tone exactly right to kind of take these concepts that might be from like a really campy 60s context, uh, like you're saying, Notch, but kind of bringing them into the present and updating them. Like the Gorn. Yeah, awesome. And I mean, maybe we'll get into it later, but I think, you know, Emily mentioned it in your strange new take. I think the way they've set up Pike um, in being cocky, but somehow like intellectually cocky, that's just like a better version of Kirk, right? Kirk is just like cocky. And and there was sometimes um, a masculine uh, superiority complex to his cockiness or a cockiness or it was maybe a lot of it, but with Pike, he does stuff on the fly, but um, it it uh, it kind of makes sense and and it kind of you know helps us respect it because oh that's how he got to being a captain right so um, you know normalizing the TOS captain cockiness. Well, and and I guess what's uh, in terms of like the cockiness, I I was thinking about this in the previous episode. Like it seemed clear to me that he's he might be using his his vision of the future as sort of a way of saying like, well, I know the Enterprise doesn't get destroyed. If if there's something, if there's an idea that's like guaranteed to kill me and everybody else on this ship, it means that it's going to work. Like the, the oh whole black hole, black hole <laughs> maneuver. I, I think it seemed to me that that was where he was coming from when he's like, no, we're going to go, we're going to do this thing because I know that I'm going to die and or I'm going to like have this horrible accident in 10 years. And, uh, right now I'm doing okay. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think that's, that's an interesting way to sort of get at this, a similar cockiness to what Kirk has where Kirk is, Kirk's is just sort of, uh, unfounded, like, uh, cockiness where he hasn't had to learn some of those hard lessons, which we get lots of movies that show us how Kirk learns his hard lessons. But uh, in this case, it's it, it's because of that like uh, future sight that he gets it. Uh, speaking of Kirk's cockiness, uh, Emily and I discussed the penis rock from uh, <laughs> where? What's that, what's that? What's that episode? Little what? Little girls are made of, or whatever that creepy episode name was. So, and I have I have tried to block the penis rock out of my mind for a week, and I've been unsuccessful. Oh lordy! I need the penis rock to be explained in Lower Decks or some other series. Well, no, I'm we, surprised we might they have a modernized uh, a modernized penis rock for modern audiences in strange new worlds but like with a straight face so <laughs> like it like one of the characters like sticks a dildo on the roof of the cave and it like slowly calcifies into the penis shape <laughs> so there's like a canon explanation for why there's a rock that looks exactly like a penis with like shaft and balls <laughs> okay Anyway, moving along, uh, we've got very far from the dream, which was this episode in a 14 minute cold open, y'all. I'd forgotten that the intro hadn't like happened. Uh, and so then it roared and I was like, oh, look at the pretty pictures. And then um, we get, though, in this episode, another canon breaking occurrence in Star Trek. I'm getting sick of this, y'all. Like, it's like Alex Kurtzman does not care about Star Trek and he wants to destroy our dreams. The green tunic is leather. Hello? It's I not. Just the, I think it's just the top part is leather. I think it's just the, 
Because I thought the same thing, but I don't think the whole thing is. I think it's just the it's top the, kind of yeah, like... It's, a, it's the top and the outside of the arms. Yeah, like the same part on Nurse Chapels that has the... Because I was watching a thing about the uniforms, and they have the insignias are like small on there. But I think that's the only other part. I don't know. You'll think you'll think Anson Mount is just, uh, you know, having to just take a deep breath and hold his core every time he films in that green outfit. He says that the, <laughs> the uniforms are very flattering, is what he says. <laughs> or what do you say, very flattering? Or no, very forgiving. He goes, they're very forgiving. <laughs> Man, the guy is charming even when he's talking about his flab. Oh, like, I know, I know. I was like, what is there to forgive, handsome Mount? There is nothing, nothing to forgive. You should forgive us, Anson Mount. You should forgive <laughs> us for our feelings and thoughts. Like, <laughs> really. I mean, guys, this is how people were in the 60s and 70s when they were watching Kirk and TOS, right? <laughs> and TJ <I> mean, Hooker. <laughs> TJ Hooker. <laughs> uh, all right, but, but we see Kirk, uh, no, Kirk Pike in the captain's relaxing outfit. It's definitely one more of those moments where you're like, ah, 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 and you're pointing at the screen. Yeah. Um, and, and there's this tense negotiation that is going to go. I think at this point, maybe it makes sense to split it into talking about each plot individually. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Yep, so let, let's, let's, let's tackle the Rongovians. Did I pronounce that right, Adam? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Rongovians and their tense negotiations. What y'all think about this new species? And who thought that the, the main Rongovian guy was Armin Shimmerman? I totally I did. did. Yeah. There were a couple of DS9 references in the episode anyway. I was like, is that like the deepest DS9 reference using one of the actors? But no, I thought that too. You know, I caught on that they were doing um, the, well, I caught on with the tel- the scene with the Tellarites that I'm like, oh, well, he's just insulting them because they're Tellarites. Like he's, he's like, you know, using their language. Uh, but then I kind of forgot about that as the season or as the episode went on. And then when they mentioned it towards the end, I was like, yeah, see, I caught that in the beginning and then forgot. Yeah, I, I, the thing that did it for me was was uh, uh, connecting that Tellerite wit, wit moment with the uh, the way he just like immediately responds nicely to, to Pike when Pike is like, oh, I would have like had had you in a uh, I, I would have cooked some food with exactly I, I forget exactly what he says, but uh uh, that he he just responds in like that exactly Pike manner of speaking. So I I thought this was a really interesting concept for an alien because we we've often talked about like empaths or uh, people who have such and such powers, but it's usually done in uh, I guess like cornier ways. And this just seems like a really interesting way to like um, display empathy is that you you literally like copy all the mannerisms and uh, outlook of the person you're talking to. Yeah, and it's it's done quite nicely um, through all three instances, right? Yeah. Um, Tellarite, uh, Pike, and then the Vulcan piece. Um, and it's not too loud. Uh, it's not too subtle, so people miss it. Um, it keeps the audience involved, so so I like that. I also... Um, um, the um, Did they have, like, purple stripes on, like, a lighter purple background? Is that their... Um, their you mean their color? faces or yeah 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 um kind of reminded me of that tiger from he-man which is i think like orange stripes on green background but like yeah so 
Oh, um, I, th- I thought you were asking if they had lighter stripes on a purple background or purple stripes on a lighter background, and that we were going to have a debate about this. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it varies from different continent to continent. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was that was nice, and and who knows, maybe in the new um, Avatar movie we will see a tiger with purple stripes and a lighter or darker background. <laughs> so so, yeah, go ahead, Bill. You were going to say something. I, I was just going to say that it was, uh, you know, there was some thematic resonance with what happens with Spock and Dupring, right? I mean, the Rongovians mirror. Mm-hmm. Right, what the other species and is doing and their communication style and and Spock and Dupring are in this situation where they're literally switching bodies and kind of mirroring one another. And I, I mean, I I really enjoyed also the this idea that this species just wanted someone to understood their point of view with like radical empathy, so it's not just kind of, uh, you know, say like share not just empathizing but being able to like really put yourself in the other person's shoes like you're saying but like spock and tippering did literally and be able to be honest and that they value that over other things i think it's a classic kind of star trek makes you think of something real well you know it's funny someone was talking to me about like i don't know if i like that part that just seemed like they're trying to get us to be radically empathetic with those around us or whatever. And I was like, no, that's not like trying to push an agenda other than that's just Star Trek. Like that's, that was like the most Star Trek-y thing to have it be about radical empathy. It's not because they're trying to necessarily make a political statement or a, any more than Star Trek, all, you know, always is, you know? Yeah. I, I I'm surprised that so many of you like kind of understood what was happening so early because I definitely did not understand what the point of the Rokovians was until the very end. <laughs> and Spike was like, "Okay, dumbass viewer who hasn't got it yet, let me explain." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Clearly, I haven't watched enough Star Trek." <laughs> uh, so so good on you guys for being smarter than me, basically. I did. I did enjoy the character though. He was kind of fun. I wish. I wish we had got to see that cat. Uh, I think it was uh, the name of the character. Uh, I'm trying to find it. It was played by an actor named Ron Kennel, uh, by the way, uh, and his companion Brax, played by Carlisle J. Williams. But anyway, I can't find the name of the character. But um, Vaso. Vaso. I would want to. I wish we could have seen Vaso meet other characters in Star Trek. Like Vaso meets Seven of Nine and acts like a Borg. Vaso <laughs> meets Worf and acts like a Klingon. You know, like I think it would be fun to like kind of uh, see see Ron Kennel basically mirror other characters from Star Trek. We could have a short trek where he 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 does that, and that's like the whole whole point of the episode is he him just like meeting all the characters from Star Trek. It do if Alex really- Kurtzman's leave Star Trek at him. We have you to replace it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and might I give you another suggestion as you take on the new role of uh, writer? Um, maybe an episode with uh, the Darmok species. I think this species would do a really good job of communicating uh, with the Darmok oh, species. Oh, interesting, yeah. Right? Like, be able to directly empathize and somehow know references to their culture and their history. That's amazing. Um, there was another thing also right right in the beginning when they first see they, they like randomly show up in the prep uh, prep meeting, and then he confuses the admiral for for Pike and he's like no no I'm looking for Pike, um, and then later on they're like no no we just want Spock, 
So they're kind of very particular because maybe they do prep work <laughs> before uh... they before they come in, and so a way to throw them off would be to like give them some completely random species and they're not ready. Um, I mean, they have the upper hand in these negotiations because they are being uh, wooed, right? They're being smoothed. So, um, yeah, let's see what happens. I don't know if we heard of them in the future. I hope they didn't make a bad decision and get wiped out by either an- either the Romulans and or the... We just use them for cannon fodder in the next war and that's... They, they that's why we're an incredibly violent species and get wiped out. Uh, yeah, no, I see what you. I see what you did there, cannon fodder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's oh, exactly boy. what I did. <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I took it as a that they were trying to guard against having multiple people in the room that they had to empathize with. Because I, my expectation is maybe they would be very confused or find that uncomfortable if they have like multiple different species in the room that they're actively trying to negotiate with because they would they would become Vulcan for a bit and then would become like uh, a, a friendly cowboy and then they would uh, become an angry <clears throat> Tellerite. Uh, oh boy. Like that. The Federation is yeah. going to be tough for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hate, you know, I, I just always have to go for the out of universe explanation. I'm sorry. But you know it's just because they needed to put to bring in the situation where we, she would have to lead the negotiation. I mean, that's the real answer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it's the same reason that the, the Spock, uh, the, the criminal Alden, uh, Alden Adair played Barjan to or Barjan, the same reason Barjan to or would deal with no one. Except to pray. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I even had a had a moment like while I was watching the episode, I was like, "Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna make uh, her do Spock's thing." I mean, they they probably need to make Spock do her thing. Maybe they won't do that. I'm like, no, of course they'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, let's move into a quick chat about the the scene where everybody's leaving for shore leave, and we find a new nickname for Una. Uh, I, that was like again one of the early parts of this episode. I was like, "What is happening here? I don't understand what they're setting up." What what was did they have a? I know it was where fun goes to die, but did they have a name that meant that, or was that actually her name? I think, I think that was her name. By the way, do you all know what the nick the the slogan "Where Fun Goes to Die"? Do you all know which uh, which place has that as its nickname? Oh, like a real place? Ouch! It's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the University of Chicago. Oh no! Uh-huh. Yeah, my I, I have a I have an advanced degree from the <laughs> oh. University of Chicago, and I don't think you it's can... the advanced degrees programs as much as the undergraduate program. It's basically known for being kind of a little bit of a meat grinder. For people's social life. Oh, no. I, I was going to guess Scottsdale, Arizona, but um, <laughs> I've never been to Scottsdale. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sure it's nice. You sure also nice. one listener we have from the Yeah, dear listener. Maybe all of them were from Scottsdale. Oh, no. <laughs> no more viewership. I liked Una's uh, rephrasing of it later in the episode. I can't remember what it was, but something like Fun's Funeral, or I can't remember how she put oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was kind of funny. And I mean, then how Laon corrected her and it was like, no, it's where fun goes to die. And she's like, whatever. 
I guess it's kind of like kind of harkening back to that short track with her and Spock where she basically tells Spock to like shove his crazy back inside, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the name of it now, but... Um, Q&A? So I, yeah. Yeah. Q&A. And, and I, I... At first I was like, what? She's not shown any signs of being this way. Then I realized, oh yeah, actually she has been shown to be someone who asks her officers to be serious. So... Yeah. And I, yeah, Bill, you were going to say something? Well, I was just going to say, I, you know, then I finally get my buddy cop show, right? When they bust those two ensigns or whatever right. doing the thing. And then Lon becomes a total badass and, you know, has to interrogate them. <laughs> she makes the really poor fun. ensign cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, like, they're, like, fighting over who's going to be good cop, bad cop, you know, and how disappointed Una is. Lon like they both want to be bad cop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of would have wanted to see Lon try to be good cop. I don't think yes. she has it in her. <laughs> I, I, one thing that that, that also uh, struck me as a little bit weird is like the the moment where they do like the phaser fight uh, in the uh, in the corridor. I'm like, I mean, you, you're gonna get in a phaser fight with an augment. She's gonna kick your ass. <laughs> but like, uh, then it was just like, ow. She's not an augment. Oh, yeah, you mean she... Una's an augment? Una's an augment. Yeah, that's what oh, I mean. Okay, it's, I, it's I like, was like, like well, Una, not... like you'll shoot Una, like, and yeah. Una will be like, "Did you shoot me?" And then just like. <laughs> No, I yeah. thought that was kind of cute how she's like, ow. <laughs> which, which I guess maybe that, that's that's showing that she's an augment is that it, instead of getting stunned, she said, ow. <laughs> yeah, I, so I know the the whole point was that those were all supposed to be like big HR violations. Like, I get that that was intentional, but it seemed like so reckless to me. It's like, what if you just accidentally turned the dial the other way? It's like, whoops, I vaporized you. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, take well, that back. Like, and, and another canon violation. Uh, we learned in uh, Star mm-hmm. Trek VI that uh, when you fire a phaser, a phaser on the uh, the Enterprise, it automatically is detected and uh, sirens go off. So, oh, oh, literally unwatchable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let me explain it. Una has the command code so she can turn off whatever she wants. Okay. All right. Did y'all, did y'all pause the screen to read the, tri- uh, the the pad with the Enterprise bingo? Yes, I did. Oh. What else is on it? So use the transporter to reflavor gum, which we saw, which was hilarious. I would do that all the time. DS9 callback. Really? Well, they have oh. chewing gum in DS9 in the Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. They're walking down the hall and O'Brien is chewing gum. He's like, oh, I found this thing from this time on Earth. It's called chewing gum. You can make it whatever flavor you want. And so I infused it with whiskey. <laughs> with whiskey-flavored <laughs> gum or something. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, phaser stun duel. Turbolift two-floor shout challenge, which amazing. That was hilarious. I love yes. that so much. <laughs> Set the universal translator to Andorian. Uh, <laughs> gra- <laughs> gravity boot hang challenge, which I would have liked to see. Uh, medical tricorder challenge, colon, Vulcan marsupial. Don't know what that means. Uh, I'll have to look up the memory alpha entry on Vulcan marsupial. Uh, when the doctor from USS Voyager was trying to find a cure for Dr. Louis Zimmerman's illness... The hollow engineer manipulated the doctor's tricorder so it would display a mitochondrial scan of a Vulcan marsupial. It took the doctor a full hour to find out what was wrong. <laughs> I remember this. Okay, okay. Uh, food replicator challenge, durian fruit. 
You can mm. do this today if you want. I've never eaten durian, actually. I don't know how it tastes. Uh, it's more about the smell than the taste. I was going to say, is that the yeah, one that smells a, like rotting flesh or something awful? It is. It is. It is. It's a South Asian delicacy. A Southeast Asian delicacy, my bad. Sneak a triple into the transporter buffer. That just seems dangerous. Uh, sit in the captain's chair. That's cool. EV suit challenge, colon, unsanctioned spacewalk. And then 11, sign the scorch. Those are the Enterprise bingo items. I was I was going to say, Bill, you, you uh, gave me an idea in terms of how to really make um, the phaser one interesting is you kind of do a version of Russian roulette where you... Um, you know, you close your eyes and you kind of wave at the settings so you don't know if it's on stun or on kill. And then you switch oh phasers, God. right? You give it to the other person. So you're kind of like, your fate is in your own hands. So. so every year, like, you know, every new cadet class, they lose 15% just, you know, <laughs> when they have to <laughs> do enterprise bingo. Sounds fun. It's really <laughs> super dangerous. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I do. I did like this plot because I thought finding a little bit of personality in Lan's character, adding a little bit of fun to Una's character. I, I enjoyed the the buddy cop aspect of it. I guess. I just feel. I just feel though, if you look at it, and and I, I'm now feeling better, more and more thankful that uh, Pike is is uh, cocky and unpredictable and funny. Because look at his senior crew. You have. Chief Engineer, um, Chief Security, <laughs> First Officer, Science Officer. Everybody's like kind of dry and like serious and. Uh. Yeah, so, so uh, 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 I guess Ortegas and uh, um, Nurse Chapel. Chapel are the are like the most wacky counter to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uhura. 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 Yeah, yeah. Got some personality there too. Um, and 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 the medical. He's he's got the hat, and Benga's got oh, the yeah. fishing hat. Nice. He hat. looks so happy fishing. Yeah. He was just like slowly going like swoosh with the fishing <laughs> rod. I was so happy for him. He just seemed like he was having a good time. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come right back and talk about more Spockamock. Why should we ally with your federation? Easy. You shouldn't, Chris. Why would you turn our enemies into your enemies? We're just a few years clear of the Klingon War. The Romulans are out there biding their time. Who knows what species we'll piss off next. And it's not like we're coming to you with any great respect for your culture. We barely know anything about it. Now, it's pretty clear we're only interested in you for your territory. And what would you get in return? The hypothetical benefit of new trade markets? Scientific advancement? Our promise of supporting the event of a crisis, which will probably only come about because you've thrown your lot in with us. Now, the Federation has lots to offer, sure, but it always exacts a price. You have good reason to suspect that price is too high for you to pay. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we've been talking inside baseball about our adaptive noise reduction. There are so many sounds on this podcast you don't get to listen to, dear listener. So many sounds. <laughs> and uh, just as a revelation to those of you who have noticed, I apologize for my cat's automatic feeder going off about... 40 to 50 minutes into every one of our podcasts. Um, they have to eat my cats. I can't make them starve just for the podcast sake. I make some sacrifices for the show, but not their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, getting back to Spockamock. Um, you know what's going to happen now, right? Like you're, you're gamifying the podcast. People are going to listen all the way through just to catch, to see if they can catch that feeder. 
I, I'm, I'm okay with a I'm okay with a strange new takes drinking game if y'all want to have one. Um, <laughs> you know, strange new takes bingo if you will. Uh, but this this episode had a lot of Christine Chapel in it, a lot more than we've got used to. And before we get down the path of what this episode showed. As I mentioned, I watched a mock time. And man, she is shown as being head over heels for Spock in that thing. Like, uh-huh. it's kind of sad, actually. And I'm much happier with this portrayal of Christine Chapel. And again, you cannot reconcile those two views of the same character. Like, you can't go from this version of Christine Chapel to, you, you have, your face is wet, Miss Chapel. Call me Christine. Yes, Christine. Like, it's so weird. It's so weird. Uh, and well, so she and she's married, right? And yeah, correct. And what? what so in, what? In one episode that they is, never mention ever again. But yeah, yeah, what season is what are little girls made of? Is that third season? Uh, it's so bad. I just assumed it was third season, but <laughs> it's 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 episode seven of season one. Oh, <laughs> so I guess when she's hitting on him in a mock time, her husband's dead. Yeah, so. what's her husband's name again? Roger Corby. Roger Corby. Mm. Now, and I, I was trying to figure out how long she had been married to him, just because it seems like so. This is supposed to be ten years before original series. Yeah, let me yeah, let so- me let me tell you. Um, he was. It's not said. It's said that he's in or shortly before twenty two sixty one. Corby led an ex- expedition to Exo three. And then in 2266 is when the Enterprise encountered him. So she's been married for at least five years. But, uh, but yeah. like, is, is it that, uh, does she not know that he's alive or something like that during that time? Or, like, mm-hmm. or has she seen him during that five years? I have I, not I, watched what little girls are made of. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, so. I, I feel like it was sort of like a, we thought that he wasn't a... I, yeah, I thought there was some sort of mystery about him. There uh, was... So so maybe she's only really been like she was in an active relationship and married with him for like a couple of years because it seems like this episode is preparing her for uh being able to get married to somebody uh or just enjoying a lot of casual relationships. Yeah. Well, I, but but at at the end she seems sort of like, "Oh, maybe I do have some need for like a serious relationship in my life but or something only like that." If it's with you, Mr. Spock. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> The real nurse is a Starfleet. <laughs> yeah, so the new nurse chapel is like a totally different character than the one from the original series, which is good because they, I think it's kind of impossible to adapt the one from the original series into her <laughs> only defining. Do you know I heard you say? The new nurse chapel. <laughs> I was like, that's oh. really inappropriate. <laughs> Anyway, the new sorry. nurse chapel. <laughs> the <laughs> new nurse chapel is a very different thing than the nooners chapel, where people go for their nooner. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, yeah, so, that's what I'm unfamiliar with. What? Yeah. I'm so, guessing based on context. <laughs> uh, nooner. I had to look this nooner. up. <laughs> nooner, an event that occurs in the middle of the day, especially an act or instance of having sex. <laughs> There we go. So a Nooner's Chapel, really, that's why I was laughing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whew. I was like, I don't the remember m- seeing a chapel like that on the episode. <laughs> the more you know, the more Ooh. you know. Hmm. So, Bill, you were saying you can't reconcile them together. 
Yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, the original Nurse Chapel, her kind of main defining characteristic was just, I mean, uh, Jess Bush has said this, right? Her pining for Mr. Spock, that was like her personality. I think that's and, because Gene Roddenberry had just some major, major flaws when it came to women. And so... <laughs> Well, you're saying he wasn't good at writing women characters? <laughs> most most of the lines from women in the original series are "I'm afraid" or something something like that. Or just fainting, <laughs> F- fainting, and then having soft focus around them. Yeah, yeah. It's anyway, uh, so they've they've updated her character a lot, and I love the new chapel. <clears throat> she's really fun. What do you like about her? I don't know. She's like funny and like spunky and cool and did you guys notice in like the first or second episode they call her doctor no yeah yeah they say that because it is kind of then you have this thing about like the ranks and the you know professional titles right so they already have mbenga as a doctor so what you know because like like the nurses like you know there's like nurse ogawa right who just like is also Mm -hmm. like just there. <laughs> and so like, how do they kind of empower her when she's kind of subordinate to the doctor? Right. And she, I, so they, I, yeah, go ahead. So they've, they've kind of come up with this creative solution, which is to make her like this, like, you know, genetic specialist and she's actually a civilian. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the fact that she's kind of shown to be someone who's very like socially competent. Yeah, like she has a lot of social IQ throughout the episodes where we've seen her, and then gets cemented here where she's just like, you know what, I don't need to handle, I don't need this relationship to get serious. I'm gonna walk away from it, and then she gives good advice to Spock about how to deal with his relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I enjoy that. I also enjoyed the kind of again a little bit of camaraderie between chapel and ortegas i thought that was kind of cool as well mm-hmm. uh, to see members of this crew hanging out together it makes the universe more lived in mm-hmm. um did, you, did any of y'all feel bad for uh what is it lieutenant derby oh uh the 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 guy that she uh dever you mean dever yeah okay dever <laughs> Yeah, couldn't who, who even remember his name. I feel bad for him. Yeah. Couldn't remember his name. You guys know how you feel about him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What are you doing, dude? You got a good thing going. Like, don't mess it up. Like, come on, man. If you want to find someone to have a relationship with, go find someone to have a relationship with. But don't like, you know, you set some boundaries. Like, don't, don't, don't step on them. He's like, I want to order food. I don't want to go anywhere or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's like, uh, I don't know, there were, I have, I have, uh, I have known situations of this sort, and it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to, like, be in that position where you're kind of left hanging, and, and you know, it's like, uh, you want to be on a different page than the person you're with. It's, it's really embarrassing, I'll be honest. Yep. Yeah. Lieutenant Derby. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're never going to see him again. Uh, No. No. He changes his name to Roger Corby. (laughs) 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 That's Uh, one way to get her. Yeah, right. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's just I I did I did think that she could have maybe avoided the like ringing in her ears and just like told up how she feels and walked away. And be like, sorry, this is not what I'm looking for. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like a spectacularly awkward exit of just like, um, I need to go talk to my friend right now. Yeah, the yeah, one yeah. I'm really in love with. So. Let's let's move on to Freaky Friday and Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> um, we've occasionally criticized shows for straining credulity, episodes of straining credulity, or for bending canon or what have you. I just want to point out that so far all of us seem to have enjoyed this episode. And this is the most bonkers, unbelievable thing that has not been, like, it's stupid. There's totally really... precedent in Star Trek for it, though, yeah, Star, so we can Star just Trek accept 3. it. Yeah. This is, yes. the, this is the plot of Star Trek 3, but with one of them not dead. I will, I will give you that, but at the same time, like, come on. You can, like, if you criticize other shows in this universe for, for outlandish plots or whatever... You've got to be able to see that the, the, the X factor here is executing it well. If it's executed well, mm-hmm. if you enjoy it, if it's written well, if, if the characters seem believable, you, we're all willing to forgive a whole lot of stuff, is my point. It's like the episode with Seven and the Doctor when they switched bodies. That was pretty funny. Yeah. And that was done well, also. Like, when you have... When you have that one was actually even more enjoyable because it was really established characters that had very... Um, uh, very idiosyncratic things about them. And mm-hmm. so watching Jerry Ryan do those things for the doctor or for uh, Robert Ricardo and Robert Ricardo do those things for seven, you know, that it was, it was entertaining on a completely higher level, I think than this. Cause we just weren't familiar enough with to praying really mm-hmm. to be able to catch some of I, that stuff. It was more just the funny situations they put them in. I, I, I guess I, I appreciated how much they were able to inject some difference into it. Uh, I mean, like I know they hands, also poked, but they also like poked, <laughs> poked fun at it too. Cause they're like, yeah. you can tell by a very clear, clearly different mannerisms. And he's like, yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, that was great. It's like, Oh, he, he didn't see it all. <laughs> and I feel that's bold of the writers, right? Emily, as you called out, right? You, it, it's an easier plot to execute when you uh, are very familiar with both. And as you say, both characters and they're, very very different um with idiosyncrasies and all that but here we're just what three four episode episodes in and um there's some precedents from tos but yeah it was bold i I think they did all right Mm -hmm. i just uh you know think that episodes like this must be so fun for the actors yes yeah i I think yeah it was it was it was really fun. It was great, and they like they gave them something to do. They injected some kind of drama or suspense into the plot, um, and they also it kind of achieved the goal of helping them learn about one another, right, and mm-hmm. actually helping their relationships. So yeah, it was nice. It was fun and also awesome. How, how many uh, how many actors have played Spock now? <laughs> uh, that's that's funny. I didn't think about that. Adding another actor playing Spock. <laughs> You know, it's so Spock is so emotional and I don't know if they are um, that they're probably doing that on purpose, like having it be that these are the years where he was still kind of working on uh, 
suppressing his emotions more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but but in in a mock time though, at the end of the episode where he finds that he hasn't killed Kirk, he goes like Jim. Ah! Yeah, he's like but really he's, happy. But he's gone through Pond Far, and that's going to bring down his emotional suppressors, I would imagine. Well, and and there's also I is it uh, Star Trek One where he he goes through like Colinar the... almost. Yeah, so I I think that like maybe they they try to officially like suppress it even more than yeah 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 but it I mean Vulcans are always super emotional you know it's funny because like they're supposed yeah. to be like not emotional at all and like yeah. walking computers but they're always super like you know they're super defensive and like disgruntled and frustrated and uh, kind of egomaniacal and you know Vulcans are like super emotional like there's all they're always kind of Mm -hmm. you know pissed off about something which i think is the point yeah to answer your question adam 10 people have played spock uh leonard oh wow i I got to five but so leonard nimoy obviously Mm -hmm. gia sandhu who played uh to in this episode ethan peck Mm -hmm. joe w davis so when did joe w davis play spock (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is it the kid in Star Trek 3? Oh. It is the 25-year-old in Star Trek 3. Uh-huh. Okay. Stephen Manley uh, played Spock, who played 17-year-old Spock in, in that episode. Then you had Vadia Potenza, who played the kid. Carl Steven, who played the even younger kid. Uh, Billy Simpson, an even younger, younger kid. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that the really weird-looking kid in... Uh, uh, in- Discovery? Uh, no, that's Liam Hughes. Oh, okay. Which, shame on you for insulting a child. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's certainly much older now and doesn't look silly. Uh, and also and... isn't wearing a Vulcan haircut. <laughs> yeah, and, and an unknown performer played him as an infant in Star Trek 3. So, so there you have it. Those are the 10 people who have played um, Spock. They should line him up for a nice picture. Well, you, also, you left off 2009. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, this is because this memory alpha article is only for current r- timeline Spock. It does not that's show so us. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so th- that person's been played by Zachary Quinto and Jacob Cogan as a young Spock. Oh, so I I didn't even realize you weren't including the yeah. Okay, so, yeah, 12. so twelve. That's hilarious. Memory alpha. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. Let, let's talk about Quinto versus Peck versus. Um, Nimoy. Nimoy now. And I think we got to set Nimoy aside. Because come on, I mean, who's who's going to stick their neck out and say, actually, I think Zachary Quinto or Ethan Peck are better than Leonard Nimoy playing Spock. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So we got to set Nimoy aside. Ethan Peck versus Zach Quinto. Now we've got a big Spock-centric episode in this series. What say you? Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck, yeah. Ethan and Peck I- has a great voice, too. Like, he's got that good resonant kind of poor Zach Quinto like just set aside no yeah. you know actually I, Zach Quint, Zachary Quinto looks a little more if you were to like do the look of all of them next to each other he looks more like the original Spock like Leonard Nimoy Spock and they did a really good cho- job in certain scenes in the J.J. Um, Abrams movies where like he really looked so much like Leonard Nimoy as Spock um, and his voice is fine, but he he didn't have the the spot gravitas kind of voice. Ethan Peck totally has that. He's isn't he Gregory Peck's grandson? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think Zachary Quinto's Spock is bad. Like, I think he did a pretty good job, but I think Ethan Peck just does yeah. a great job. Yeah, and and at least, like, for, for me, part of it is, like, um, like, Ethan Peck was able to to give us a Spock that doesn't even look like Spock when he, like because we were first introduced to him with like a full beard and so like we we come to like accept a very different like looking Spock and then like can he's he's shown like range within what I mean not that Zachary Quinto didn't because he he like flipped out and like ejected Kirk from the ship or whatever but like I've just um and maybe some of this is just sort of like unfair to compare someone who's played several hours of spock versus someone who's who's played like only uh a few hours of over three movies um but yeah i i just there i i've i've really really liked uh ethan peck's portrayal of spock so far yeah i gotta i mean i i'll go with the consensus here and say that i've really just enjoyed ethan peck's portrayal i think they're i i'll take the cop out though and say that uh I don't think you can compare them. They're fundamentally different. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway. Um, I, I, you know, getting back to, to what I was saying at the start of this segment, though, I'll say that even the resolution of this primary Freaky Friday plot isn't... They don't really go very deep into the solution. It's it's literally at one, one point, Nurse Chapel's like, yep, we're going to zap you and you're going to be fine. And... And that's it. Like, there's there's nothing that, that there's not a lot of complexity given to um, the main plot mechanic. Instead, it's this idea of putting yourselves in each other's shoes, and specifically around sacrifice for relationships. And I want wondering how you all felt about that kind of overriding message of this plot. Well, they in the end did not completely put themselves in the other person's shoes and play the other person's role to the fullest, right? Like, the bring was just about to damage negotiations until Pike jumped in and and uh, Spock uh, beat the shit out of Barjan. So, <laughs> um, uh, I guess... And I'm guessing that was intentionally done, right? That It wasn't like a quick fix in both cases. They intentionally showed that, uh, you know, you got to respect the other per- understand the other person's point of view or the partner's point of view but in the end you are your own self um so i don't know what to i don't know what to think about that i don't know if i necessarily agree or disagree but i i did see that specific um call out in the end where they kind of were their own self that was another handsome mount call out um or like shining moment when he walks up to Bach, who's really to bring you know, and and basically, you know, stops the negotiation and says, "I sh- I should not have asked you to do this." Like just the way he said that to her, I thought, I don't know, that was just, I just really like this captain. I think so. I I think I think you're right, Rudy, that they don't like they're not successfully able to step in each other's shoes. But I think that's kind of the point, right? Like it shows that they're not. It's the other side of sacrificing actively your own duties for your partners, sacrificing your needs for your partner's duties, and seeing that they aren't replaceable. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it is necessary to be able to step away. I think the thing that bothers me about this plot is that T'Pring later decides to have Stan try to kill Spock. <laughs> like she wants Stan yeah. and not Spock. And so it's like... You know, it's this beautiful lesson about how to make a relationship work that doesn't work later. It fails. So, 
I don't, I don't know what. what well, maybe that's supposed to make us realize that, like, uh, if you're watching the episode at the beginning and you thought that you wish that you could have a Freaky Friday with your own relationships to make them better, this is actually a cautionary tale of if you did have Freaky Friday, it would make uh, you would try to kill each other uh, later on. There you go. Ye be warned. Uh, in case you're trying, planning to have unsupervised Vulcan rituals of your own. You know, don't Practice do it. safe rock, uh, Vulcan <laughs> rituals, everybody. <laughs> uh, let's let's give kudos to Gia Sandu, though. As, a, as an actress brought in to play a, a, a guest part, I think she did seriously well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought her portrayal of Spock playing to Pring with the Barjan with Barjan um, was, was very good. Yeah. Yeah. But, but wait, you're saying guest appearance. So she's going to go the way of Aditya Sahil and we're never <laughs> going to hear of her for like three seasons now. Well, clearly they're going to oh, have no. to, I mean, I would imagine at some point they're going to have to explain why she decides to have to let go and be with somebody else. Um, because in in a mock time, she she says that it's because of that Spock is a celebrity among her, their people, and she doesn't want to be with a celebrity. Um, so at some point, we're gonna have to start to see that rupture start to take place. But you Honestly. know what's gonna happen, right? Strange New Worlds is gonna be an amazing series, and then they're gonna transition into rewriting TOS. So anything's possible. I, w- I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, I think that I, I honestly think at some point they're going to have to decide whether they're going to stick to that or not and just be like, actually. 10 years of great trek ahead of us, at least, maybe 20, just for this. Uh, well, they have 10, right? Like, this takes place 10 years before TOS, I believe. Yeah. So, we've got 10 more years before we make that decision. Mm. Bill, like, visibly became uncomfortable and angry when I when you suggested that just now, Rudy. I saw I saw the face change via Zoom. Yeah, I just I mean I don't know. I think the the more the Star Trek canon grows, right? Like how many there's like eight hundred episodes and fifteen movies or something. Mm-hmm. The harder and harder it is to not contradict something that came before it, right? Can you imagine being a writer and having like all this shit that you had like there's so much lore and it's really complex. And like, I, for me, is if they just do like a really lame fig leaf, you know, like at the end of the series, if they're, if T'Pring is just like, gee, Spock, you're such a celebrity, you know, I don't know if I like that. Like, fine, that's fine with me, right? Like, or like the Goran, if, they, if they're just like, oh, Admiral says it's classified and you're not supposed to talk about it. Like, you know, fine. I, cause I just think it's so, I think they're at the point where they kind of have to play fast and loose with it. If they're going to be able to write anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I generally agree with that too. Um, but let's, let's, I, our episode is now going very long. So I want to, I want to try to bring us up to the summation point. Um, of this one i think i think the the spock to pring plot turned out to be surprisingly tender given how it starts out so i wasn't expecting the way that it ended um with them kind of both accepting each other i also enjoyed the depth that we got 
of especially of Spock's character, but even to Pring's. Like we we get to see both of them kind of um a little bit laid bare. And I really enjoyed that about this episode. So I think I think overall, I think when I'm thinking about Spock Amok, I knew I was going to get a, a, a kind of this hijinks focused Spock episode just based on the kind of episode summary or the description of what I'd seen of it. I was not expecting to get this kind of tender, heartfelt look at so many of these characters. And then a new alien species that brings in some kind of cool values based message. So. Yeah. Nice summary. Uh, let's let's jump into strange new ratings. Which one of you wants to stick your neck out and give Spock a mock rating? Uh, before that, though, um, again, since there's so much homage to DS Nine, uh, gotta call out the sail ship, right? Yeah, definitely. I noticed uh, that as well. They're gonna take forever to get back, and and <laughs> and, and they're gonna be invaded and conquered by then. But hey. it, it'll be DS Nine era by the time they get back to their, uh, their star system. That's what inspires Cisco. It's not the Bajorans. It's actually he was out and saw that ship go by. I, the sail was the sail was just way too small. I have to say it. Yeah, yeah. Unwatchable. Unwatchable. Yeah. Really, this way, is the worst Star small. Trek series. This is the wor- worst Star Trek series <clears throat> that's ever been created. Between this and the mistake in the first episode, where they said that three people piloted that ship that had a saucer section and, and all that, like, yeah, it was terrible. Wow, wow. It, it could possibly be the worst Star Trek series created now through the next ten years. Imagine that. Oh, meaning they'll just get better and better after this, or they don't make any new ones for the next ten years. <laughs> I mean, it has been, it has felt like each series has been better than the one before. Well, at yeah. least as far as Lower Decks and Prodigy go, I think, and Strange New World. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm almost forgetting about. I I found myself reading about some Lower Decks stuff recently and being like, oh yeah, that did happen. I've forgotten so much about Lower Decks and Prodigy now. I need them to come back so that we can yeah. have. And go back to those. Uh, all right, but who wants to give Spock a Maka rating? Uh, I'll I'll go ahead. I'll give this one a ten. I just I loved every single moment of it. It was great. I'm yeah, same. I'm giving it a five out of five. I'm yep. gonna fangirl it too. Same, same. All right, who's gonna go next and disagree with the consensus? I'm wondering if it's one of us or both of us. Go ahead, go ahead, Rudy. What? <laughs> Which means gonna... there's at least one, because Rudy is going to disagree. Rudy's going to be like unwatchable. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with um, a nine point five uh, <laughs> because I did feel that the cut cut plot was um, a little weak in the science of it. But nine point five uh, Katra switching crystals out of ten. <laughs> Well, I was going to give it a 10 until I saw the leather on the green jacket. (laughs) Two out of 10. No. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Nice, nice. Well done, everybody. Uh, Well, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Rudy, for joining me to talk about Spockamock. It's always nice to come together to talk about a nice, fun episode without world-ending consequences or any serious stuff. Thanks, Notch. Yeah, thank you, Notch. Thanks, Notch. Thanks. Thanks, Max and Dinah. Hope you're having a good time wherever y'all are. Thank you, dear listener, for making us part of your week. 
by listening to this episode. Thank you, Jishin Guha, for recording our theme music. We always appreciate hearing you strumming away at the guitar. And uh, special thanks to Commodore Robert April, because we didn't mention him at all in this episode, even just a little bit. Sad face. So I'll just thank him over here. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.